the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew from the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is indeed from St. Matthew, and it is uh, Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23, found on 1498 of your Pew Bible. Matthew records... When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt and stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up and he took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. And where he stayed until the death of Herod, and so was fulfilled. What the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Now when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and in its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. And then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, and he took the child and his mother, and he went to the land of Israel, where he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father, Herod. He was afraid to go there, having been warned in a dream. He withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and he lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, because nothing good comes from any other source. Human beings, you and me, have this tendency to downplay the brutality of this sinful world. And we even have a, a nostalgic tendency to romanticize things. From time to time, we find ourselves talking about the good old days. And very often, a careful examination of reality shows that the good old days were not actually that good. Yes, there are things about the past 
that we miss. We remember those things. And then there are the things about the past that were absolutely horrible. And we tend to forget about those things. The past that we remember is only a partial memory. The, the full reality of the past teaches us that things were just as brutal in the past as they are today. In fact, a, a careful examination of the church calendar during the 12 days of Christmas is really a good antidote to uh, the romantic nostalgia that we might have about the early church. Our image of the first day of Christmas has this image of a, of a pristine baby Jesus in this cute little manger, in this very European-style stable. We forget that Jesus made the same trip down the birth canal that most babies make. We forget all the bodily fluids involved in childbirth, not to mention the pain and the hardship on both mother and child. And there was no epidural back in those days. There was no blanket warmer. And the birth of our Savior was just as messy and primitive as the birth of any other child during that period of history. And then in the calendar, the day after Christmas, December 26th, that's St. Stephen's Day. That's the commemoration of the stoning of Stephen. He's the first martyr of the young New Testament church. We sing, Good King Wenceslas looked out on the feast of Stephen, and it kind of sounds Christmassy. Well, it is the second day of Christmas, which also happens to be the day that we remember that people threw stones at Stephen until he died. And then the fourth day of Christmas, it happens to be the day we remember all the boys who died in Bethlehem. And that is the order of, of the Herod the Great. It is the commemoration of the slaughter of the holy innocents. And then, of course, today is the eighth day of Christmas. It's the day of circumcision of our Lord. And although it is not as uh, violent as some of the other days following Christmas, it's still, it's still the shedding of blood. And according to the church calendar, the 12 days of Christmas are a very bloody time. In today's gospel, the account of Herod is absolutely horrible. The horrible murder of boys, the boys of Bethlehem. And this event will forever brand Herod the Great as one of the most cruel kings in any biblical account. We talk about Herod the Great every year at this time. The Roman occupation, well, they placed him on the throne in Jerusalem even though he was not a Jew. And the Jews hated him for that very reason. And, and for that reason, his paranoia served him well. 
as a ruler of people that hated him. Now, ordinarily, Herod's paranoia wouldn't have been of any consequence to uh, a poverty-stricken couple like uh, Mary and Joseph. He wouldn't even have given them a second thought. He would have ignored them. But Herod was near the end of his life, and it's likely that the dementia of old age had begun to take its toll, and that the dementia of old age, as we many of us have experienced, witnessed, um, has a tendency to amplify character traits. Oftentimes, nice people get really sweet, and oftentimes, cranky people get really belligerent, and paranoid dictators like Herod become psychopathic killers. Now, history tells us that Herod guarded his monarchy with ruthfulness. He, if he thought that you were a threat of some sort to his throne, he ordered your death. He ordered the death of family members, including wives and sons and faithful servants and the like. His order to kill the baby boys in Bethlehem was not an isolated incident. It was part of what life was like in Israel under the rule of Herod the Great. And so when the Magi entered Jerusalem inquiring about a newborn king, man, all of Jerusalem must have flipped out. Because the last thing that they ever wanted was another claim on Herod's throne. And they knew Herod would get upset. And they, they knew that his question, this question would trigger Herod's demented paranoia. And they knew that when Herod was upset, people died. And so the slaughter of innocent boys of Bethlehem by Herod's order is one of the saddest events in history. But the truth is, that we can't really say much has changed since then. Let me ask you this. How many times have we stared at our video screens in shock as another reporter has to tell us about another gunman who entered a school and killed helpless students and teachers? How many times do we hear about Islamic death squads decapitating their enemies? How often do we hear about another dictator wiping out towns and villages that supported maybe a, a rival ruler? How often do we hear about more than 3,000 babies killed by abortion in the abortion industry in this country every single day? Over 50 million were killed in the United States alone since the ruling in Roe v. Wade. We don't really hear a whole lot about Roe v. Wade. We do now a little bit, but it was swept under the carpet for a whole lot of years. Could it be that our nostalgic tendency to romanticize things is in denial over the worst atrocity of our time? Could it be that we are all too ready to condemn Herod while we deny the atrocities of our own society? Every day, 
our country kills more than 150 times as many babies as Herod did in Bethlehem, perhaps even 200 times as many every day. If we condemn Herod, then if we're to be honest, we must condemn ourselves as well. In fact, we must say that we deserve 150 to 200 times more the condemnation that Herod deserved for just one day's killing in the abortion mills of the United States. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, 1 through 4, Jesus said this. He said, Judge not, lest you be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? And it is with these words that Jesus teaches us that we are we're just as bad, just as evil, as the people we condemn. Just as we are quick to condemn others, we are also quick to rationalize ourselves. And the fact of the matter is this, that we are all little Herods when we come into this world. We are selfish. We are survive at all costs little dictators. And then in this psalm of repentance, King David writes, Psalm 51.5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. David's words mean that at the instant of conception, each and every one of us was already deserving to go to hell. That is what the sin that we inherit from our parents does for us. And furthermore, our sinful nature only makes us or makes our pile of sin higher and wider as time goes on. And how fortunate it is, how fortunate it is that Joseph obeyed the angel in his dream and he took the Christ child and his mother to Egypt. Ultimately, Jesus retraced the trail of his ancestors the time long before when another Joseph brought his father Israel and the rest of his family to sanctuary in Egypt. And later, after Herod the Great died, Jesus would follow the trail that his ancestors, the children of Israel, took back to the promised land. And eventually, Jesus stood trial before Herod and Tapas, the son of Herod the Great, the Herod the Great that tried to kill him in Bethlehem. And after the trial, Jesus finally did die. Now, he did not die in Bethlehem at the command of Herod. Instead, he died 
when he finished his mission here on this earth. He died after he had led a perfect life, and he had taken our sins to the cross. He died as God's sacrifice for our sins. He died at the time God established, and not at the time that Herod established. He died only after Jesus himself said, it is finished. Now Jesus not only died according to God's timetable, but he also rose according to it, and he ascended into heaven. His, his resurrection and ascension mean that all who have faith in him, men and women and even infants, will spend eternity in his presence. And in spite of the pile of sin that you and I have produced, God is with us. Our sin is great. His love is greater. And it means that when we die, God is with us. It means that God is with us for all of eternity. And from an earthly point of view, Herod the Great appeared more powerful than Jesus. Herod was the absolute monarch of Judea with the authority of the Roman Empire to back him up. Jesus was the child of poverty. He had a few earthly resources. Even so, Herod couldn't touch him. And God's plan overrules all other plans. God has a definite timetable for his son, and no one can change that. And God preserved his son from Herod because the time was wrong. And on the other hand, he did not spare his son when the fullness of time had come. A God who will do that, a God who will do that, will also graciously protect us from all evil and preserve us in the one true faith of life everlasting. In the name of Jesus, amen.